I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, and welcome to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I am Vic Cohen, and we are live. Yes, this is all live. You sure I'm not here right now. <laughs> You're here too. You're live. Oh, okay. We are both live from downtown Los Angeles's Skid Row Studios. Great setup here. Thank you. It's awesome. It's very impressive. It's very Skid Row-ish. <laughs> now, the reason we call the show, or I call the show, it's a fair question, is because on this show, every question is a fair question. Okay. Prepare yourself. There is no question that is ever too personal or ever off limits. I love it. Yes. And tonight we have a huge guest. Well, 30 pounds lighter, <laughs> a little less huge than he used to be when I first met him. Huger. He is a Hollywood dude. He is I've work I work with this man. That's right. He's a director on TBS's new hit Hidden Camera Game Show. I'm a consulting producer. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's okay. But he happens to perform. He acts like a director, but he doesn't know he's not. Well, we'll leave it at that. It's, it's, I know, I know. It's a team effort. We all do. We all do it. So. Well, he, he, in my eyes, he's the director. <laughs> and I might be delusional. But he has directed tons of stuff. And he's an incredibly talented guy. And he's, as I said, he's very, after researching him, he's so Hollywood. Why? I had no idea. I, I am. Just, oh, we'll get, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Uh, if you have ever watched the hit show Gilmore Girls, you know him as Jackson Belleville. Correct. He's on the show from 2000 to 2007. That's right. Yep. Seven years. That's a long time to be on a network show. It is a very Every long time. Every episode? No, I was recurring, so I probably did about half of them. That's still a lot. No, it is he, a lot. He's also directed uh, huge shows, including. As I just said, Howie Mandel's hit hidden camera game show on TBS called Deal With It. You know, I think it's time we tell them your name. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Jackson, You've already told them half of it. <laughs> Jackson Douglas. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. It is very exciting to have you. Here are some co here are some trivia questions about or, or pieces of trivia about you that you may not know. Jackson okay. Douglas. All right. We'll see. Well, I'll I'll tell you if they're true or not. First huh? of all, with that name, you should be president. I think so. You I know, would vote a lot for of you. people. A lot of people react that way. Oh this my is god! A very presidential name, and I'm like, why? Most it people is. think it's backwards. Douglas Jackson. Yeah. Jackson Douglas. I think it's a fantastic name. What's your middle name? Like Rufus? Something horrible? Like? <laughs> oh my god! This is just going to feed into it. Frederick. Oh, okay. A lot of pressure on you as a kid. Parents yeah. giving you that name. <laughs> Wait, so it's it's Jackson Frederick Frederick Douglas? Yes. Oh my god. I know. I should be black, shouldn't I? I think most people think I am. Or president. That name. Or, or both. A president. Yeah. Well, here's some here's some little known facts about Jack Jackson uh Douglas. I can't say the long name. <laughs> Too much to say. <laughs> that's so funny. He was once roommates with Adam Carolla. Uh that's close to true. Okay. A rumor mm -hmm. online. And Adam says you kept a shopping cart in your room. Yes, well, that's true. I did keep a shopping <laughs> cart in my room, but now I on get the it. Third floor of an apartment building, too. Well, I get it because showbiz is very unpredictable, and you never know when you're going to be out on the street. It's a transitory business, and <laughs> so, you need to move at a moment's notice. So I had yes. my shopping cart ready to and, go. And you know, he always told the ladies that he has wheels, but yes, they never right. realized it was it just was, the shopping yeah, cart. They were always disappointed when they would walk into the bedroom and see, like, oh, those. That's oh, where you keep them. Those are the wheels. Now, the other thing that's fascinating about you is you are married to Alex Borstein. Correct. And you guys met in a theater company, the Acme Theater Yes, company. the Acme Comedy Theater. Okay. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know who Alex is, uh, she plays Lois Griffin on Family Guy. Mm -hmm. So she's huge. This is a big family. That's why I said they're all Hollywood. The yeah. Hollywood family. <laughs> I mean, imagine one night I just want to slip in bed with you guys and hear some of your Hollywood conversations. We would bore the shit out of you. Oh, I, I don't have know. To say. Between her family guy <laughs> scripts and your scripts, I think it would be quite interesting. All and the exciting stuff is on television. Now, for you the, to see. <laughs> here's the deal. I warned you, and it's not a big deal, but I told right. you it's called, a, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Because I have to ask. Okay. Now, I read, because I, I really try and research my guests, okay? It's, okay. I do my due diligence. Right. I never want, 
anyone to walk in here who I don't really know. I'm intrigued to know what you know. Now, what I'm sharing with you is public knowledge. Okay. Okay, so I'm a little bit hesitant. I normally don't get nervous, (laughs) but I work with the man. I don't know how he's going to react, but this was in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh Uh-huh. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the four leads a family guy, each making $175,000 to $225,000 per episode for the next two seasons and may go as many as five. Any truth to that? That is a fair question. That is a fair question. Is there is there any truth to that? No. Come on. Uh, there's some truth to it because they will be making some money, but it is not that number. You I think will, it's exaggerated? Oh, it's absolutely exaggerated. Okay. Because my next question is going to be, why are you working? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I would be Mr. Mom. I'm in, I, I would tell you that uh, Family Guy has been very kind to us. And, you know, um, so... Why am I working? Because I enjoy to work. I know. I'm just playing with you. Uh, but, that's okay. But I, mean, I will answer. It's a fair question. It is a fair I question. Will, so I will answer. But I mean, so, but those numbers are grossly inflated. Okay. But nevertheless, you're married to a big star. Mm-hmm. And now we, as we were, we prior to the show went over to 7-Eleven. You told me about how she's also starring in a new HBO series. Right. So um, tell us a little bit about that real quick. Wait a minute. Did they, I'm sorry. Are we going back? Let me, the, the numbers just kind of, they said $1 million. An, no, 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 no. no. They said 175000 to 225000 okay. per episode. Okay. Now you're like, yeah, those numbers are right. No, they're, they're not. I was going to, I was just going to go right back. right from the Hollywood Reporter. Point, yeah, those numbers are inflated. Okay. You know, the, the interesting thing is, is that I will, I will tell you, it was a difficult negotiating period. It was a tough negotiating period, but- Unfortunately, the you, you, I don't know who it is. You can't point any fingers, but it's got to be a smear. It's got to be a we're trying to because who cares about this information and who would get this information? The someone the payee, leaked it. Someone yes. leaked it. Yeah, and on purpose. And the reason that you leaked that is to try to drag people. Through. You know, when the friends did it, and everybody's saying, "Oh my God, they're getting eight hundred thousand dollars an episode," but you have to understand that that's a share of what. I mean, the studio's making billions of dollars. Hey, I don't even think that for a hit show, that's even a lot of money. It's, it's I mean, not, not, not to diminish your wife's work right. or any of their work. But, but the difference is, is, the, is there's no I mean, I think it's a exclusivity. Money, you know so they I mean? can work on other shows. Yes. So um, That's why they don't make $800,000. But here's the deal. With that show and that money, um, I don't think that the cast, the four core members, mm-hmm. uh, look in any way bad. I think with Friends... It looked like there's going to be a prolonged negotiation, and uh, and then it looked like they were playing like the studios pretending as if the show wasn't going to get possibly picked up. Right. I didn't see that kind of game playing or brinksmanship publicly happening. Am I incorrect? Yes, I think uh, you're incorrect. I okay. mean, it definitely was very public when they were okay, when they so were threatening not to come that. back, and then and and everybody talked about, oh my god, and and when the Simpsons did it too, I think that was very public. You remember that? Sure. Yeah. Well, so, um, well, congratulations. Nobody, nobody complains about it when sports heroes are making, you know, $23 million a year. And it's, you know, nobody says like, oh, what the hell? What do you do? You hit a little ball around a park. And it's well, all about sharing the profits of it's all about the ticket if, sales. I, th- I believe if you make money for a company, you should be compensated accordingly. Right. The and company doesn't feel that way. No, I know. That's why there are <laughs> unions and agents and managers and that right. kind of thing. Right. So fortunately, Alex and you... Uh, by proxy, being a part of the team. You didn't have to get into the nitty-gritty of the negotiations because you have an agent and a manager and that kind of buffers to some degree. To a degree. Yeah, but ultimately everyone knows it's coming from, where it's all coming from. Yeah, I mean... You know, we're all adults and... Yes, I mean, we all play the game of of, of politics, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody knows what everybody's doing. Now, you and Alex met at the theater company on, I think it's La Brea. It is, correct? yes, now, yes. And how old are you guys? How old are we? No, then. Oh, then. Oh, then. Well, let's see. We got married when I was 29. So we've been married 15 years. And so do the math. Let's see. We were married in 92. So I think we met in 90, 89. No, no, no. 98. We were married in 98. And I think we met in like 96, 97. 96. 
So you were in your 20s, something like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was mid-20s. And, and so you're uh, scraping, just getting by. Oh, yeah. She as well, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she worked for an ad agency. What a great copy story. for Barbie. Really? For yeah. Barbie? Yeah, for Barbie. And that's not Barbie the doll. Mattel? Uh-huh. She's working yeah. for Mattel. Like, see, I love this story. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why I think Los Angeles and in the entertainment business is so exciting because it is the Wild West. Right. You know, I mean, I have to say that that's one that's one comfort that I think we both take in our marriage is that we both met before we were anything other than struggling. And so it's you never, ever in the back of your mind think that, you know, somebody's hitching their wagon to somebody's trailer. Well, what's also great is while I, of course, I'm playing up your wife in the big in that big deal, whatever it happens to be, um, you're quite accomplished yourself. And have had some incredible um, success. I've made my road. Yes, and it's great to see. I'm sure that for both of you, it must be very thrilling to take that ride together from nothing in the sense of, when I say nothing, I mean no credits or anything. Right, yeah. It's fun. But, you know, half of this business, I think, is just persistence. Just sticking with it. I think Woody Allen said half of it's just showing up or something like that. I mean, that's true. And just, but, but, but keep showing up. Yes. And showing up the next day and, you know, getting disappointed and kicked to the dirt or whatever and then showing up again. I, I yeah, you know, I think there's a big percentage of, of success in that. And I just want to be clear, um, Lois is the wife on the show. I mean, it's the Correct. star. Yes. It's, it's billed right under um, Seth right. McFarlane, the creator. It's yes. like Seth McFarlane and then your wife. So this is a very, uh, this would be like Marge Simpson, essentially. Sure. That's that's very exciting. It is. And then uh, your wife is also on Mad TV. Now, were you working on that show as well? You know, I, that's nepotism. So, you know, she was cast as a regular on that show. It was interesting. We were both in Acme Comedy Theater, and we went, we actually got, we all got auditions for Mad TV, but we had to go to Austin to do it. Like the Mad TV casting people Austin, were in Austin for the big stinking international improv festival at That's that time. Good. And we were there as a performing troupe and uh, we all got auditions out of it. Alex got the job. I did not. Um, and How do you feel about that? I was excited for her. No sense of uh, disappointment on your side? No, it's interesting. I think I'm able to really separate uh, my career and I'm never jealous of her. Are you jealous of others? Yeah, I can be. Yeah, but you turn but it, it off. Be, on it her. would be, be it would be people in my league because I can't do anything that Alex can do. Mm-hmm. I've tried, you know, I've tried using her humor, but you know, being a a small uh, petite woman, she can come across very caustically and not be uh, seem aggressive or threatening. But being, uh, you know, a six foot, 230 pound man, if I come across caustically, I'm a complete fucking asshole who is like, I'm not going to laugh at that because well, I think he's going to kick my ass. Working with you, I could say you are imposing. <laughs> you are an imposing man. Now, would you I, say that I, I am would, imposing? Because yes. I would never characterize yeah. myself as imposing. I think when I say that, you have, you, you have a sense of authority. And I'll tell you this. If I like that. If you're ever on a set with Jackson, never talk while he's rolling. <laughs> Because you will get dirty looks. Yes. And you will definitely be scolded. You will get yelled at. Yeah. Yeah, It is not pretty. You learn once. (laughs) (laughs) I would disagree because there's many repeat offenders. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Also, uh, if you wanted to look up online, guys, you can look up Miss Swan. Yes. That's that's a very famous character that Alex created. Uh, Was that, and that was on Mad TV. Now, was that Mm -hmm. character created in your company at Acme? Uh, that character was created while we were driving. <clears throat> Terrible story. While we were driving up the 405 through the Sepulveda Pass, mm. and Alex was making fun of someone who was in the car next to us driving someone very driving. slowly <laughs> <laughs> in a station wagon. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, because <laughs> so you've seen the character, yeah. and you don't even have to draw use your, your own conclusions. But uh, yeah. you know. Now, was she just doing it for fun and then did one of you say, oh my God, that's she, a character. Yeah, she was just being very silly and I think I was wetting my pants because I was laughing so hard and, and yeah, and she just kind of folded that into, you know, creating a character. Did for she me. pitch that to the show like on Monday or whenever the next you day know, was I the pitch? I think that was even before she got the job on Mad TV, I believe. What was the audition like for Mad TV? For Mad TV, you had to come in with three characters and basically do monologues with your with your characters. 
Okay. So coming from sketch comedy, we all had, you know, we all had our bag of characters. And Is this full costume, wigs, everything? Some people did. Some people took it very seriously and did wigs and brought in a bunch of props and other people didn't. And I don't think there were any rules. What did, what did uh, Alex do? Do you remember? I don't remember. And how quickly after the audition did you find out? It was a long time because it was, I think she auditioned on a Thursday and it was a holiday weekend. So we actually, they didn't hear on Friday and they said, okay, well, we'll probably hear on Tuesday. And it, we literally waited for a week after the final audition. Well, my, my recollection of Matt TV is every year it was kind of like, is it coming back? Is it coming back? Mm-hmm. Was that crazy making? Or was that just the way the media was presenting it and it really, you guys all really knew it was coming back? It's not as crazy making as it is now. I think at that time we were so naive and happy to be doing it. And, you know, we didn't have mortgages at that time. We didn't have kids at that time. So we were still very transitory. I still had my shopping cart. So you have a mortgage and and you have two kids, correct? Yes, two kids. So the pressure is a little different. It is. Yeah. And as you get older, you're kind of thinking, well, listen, if I dry up now, how do I start over? You know, when you're 20, you can, you know, and you, you, you take a stab at it and you don't make it or whatever, then, you know, you, ever you, can, think you about, can become a, an electrician. Do you ever think about that? Always. That Does that haunt you? Mm-hmm. The idea that you could lose everything? Uh, you have a couple bad years? Um, yeah. I mean, we've been very smart. You know, we've set up our, our life, so to speak, that we've got, we, we could not work for five years and be safe. We That's great. A, I got the same know, thing. Insurance policy. No, I'm the same way. I can't. Yeah. yeah, I can go five minutes. Yeah. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> five years is pretty five. good. That's smart. That's yeah. how you have to do it in this business. Yeah. People don't understand, or I don't want to be diminished, talk down, but like I, you know, it's different when you have a job that you're going to every week, but things can just switch off so fast. You hear about oh guys God, who created crazy. shows who are yeah. like losing their houses. I don't know. Well, if you we've hear all seen stories. our favorite show on the air and it just goes away. And you're like, well, why? It's a it's a great show. It's a fantastic show, and it just ends. It just stops, and yeah. all these people, you know, there's you see seven people on camera, but you have 110 people who are involved in the production that now don't have jobs. Do you ever think, uh, wow, we're on a good roll? When's it going to end? Or that uh, that's every not- day, every Seriously. day, yeah, every day. So that does that motivate you to keep moving even faster, or does it ever debilitate you? You know what? It it it. It, it, what what it makes you do is it makes it really hard to say no to stuff. When someone asks you, could you do that? Could you do this? You want to do this? Are you interested in that? It's really hard to say no because you're always thinking, oh my God, this gravy train is going to stop. And well, you know, um, the one thing you say no to would have been your next job. Well, I've, you know, one of the things that brought me to um, deal with it was my work with Howie over the years, Howie Mandel. And one of the things he's always told me, and I'm sure it's something he's come up with, I mean, of course, but he lives by is the idea of work begets work. Right. And I've, I live by that. I follow his, uh, his, that idea that he believes in so strongly. It's true. You get, very, you get forgotten very quickly in this town. Well, I think, I think the mistake that can be made in this business, uh, the entertainment business, is people sometimes are too focused uh, they they see themselves as only one thing, not realizing that a lot of there are a lot of things they can do, and a lot of things can take them to where they want to go. Yeah, well, that certainly helps you work if you can be a hyphenate. Yeah, you know, Alex is. She wrote, you know, she wrote for Family Guy, and she wrote for many years. She still develops, and she still does a lot of her writing. Is she? Uh, what, what? I'm curious. Um, I'm very attracted to funny women. Mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, a great laugh. What's it like at home? I mean, a lot of funny people are also have a dark side and a depressed side and, mm-hmm. and, and a heaviness to them. Uh, what What's the temperature in a room at home? I'm the depressing one. All of Alex's uh, dark side, you you know, gets funneled into creativity that you probably see. You know, the the Family Guy stuff. You know, she wrote for three years on Shameless. So wow. a lot of that really dark humor. While she was doing? Family Guy? Yeah. How does that even happen? How do you? How are you that kind of schedule? Well, she wasn't writing for Family Guy and Shameless. She was just doing the voice for wow, Lois, that's and then great. and then doing you know and writing for Shameless. That's fantastic. So she gets a, a nice outlet to you know do all that dark oh, yeah. stuff. So, um, but at home it's it's gotten you know it's pretty dull. I mean, I would I would look I wouldn't say dull. It's not dull, but we're just regular people. I mean, do you ever say, Alex, just turn it off? Enough with the characters. We got to no. put the kids to bed. <laughs> no, she's so not that way. 
Yeah. She's actually more shy. You know, when she gets, when she gets, it took a long time for her to get adjusted to the fact that people would recognize her in public mm-hmm. and talk to her. Do you remember the first time that happened? Yeah. What? Tell me. It's, it's, it's weird. I guess the first um, memorable time that, that really sticks in my head was we were sitting in Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles and, at a and, booth. And if you've never been there, uh, Roscoe's is a very popular place. I would say more among the African-American community. Sure. It's kind yeah. of a staple, legendary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's been in L.A. for years. Mm-hmm. But go on, yes. But chicken and waffles is delicious. You were the two white people <laughs> in the place. <laughs> we might have been. That's why you were recognized. and why we stood out a little bit. Uh, and my brother was visiting, and this group of people came by the window, because we're sitting at a booth and there's a window there, and they were outside in the window and they walked by and they literally stopped and walked backwards. This whole group, as a group, five people walking backwards at the same time and looking at her, tapped on the window and were mouthing, are you her? Are you her? And Alex was looking at them like, what? Are you her? Are you, are it, it you didn't her? didn't click right away. And then she said, yeah. And then they go, no. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not her. You're not her. So and they then, came in, right? So I mean, this wasn't became, all through the window. No, this was all through the window. And it, wow. it became, wait a minute, what do I have to do? Do I have to actually stand up and do my characters in order to prove to you who I am? And yeah. uh, first of all, I'm uncomfortable that I, I'm even being recognized. <laughs> well, don't go to Roscoe's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but you alone, I mean, forget your wife's career right. for just a moment. We'll put that aside. Oh, one last thing I do need to ask you about okay. that. When you're making love to your wife, <laughs> do you ever feel like she's cheating on her cartoon husband, <laughs> Peter? I would have to say it never <laughs> enters my mind. <laughs> do you ever think, oh my God, I'm making love to Lois? <laughs> you know, Peter is just ink and paint <laughs> and plastic. <laughs> Does she ever do the voice while making love? Oh God. That is a fair question. That is a fair question. No. Really? No. Oh. Well, I think you need to have that happen. <laughs> just for, you know what? That's everybody else's fantasy. Just not so mine. you can say it's happened. <laughs> 60 episodes. Is that right? Gilmore Girls for you? Yeah. It's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. You still get the residual checks? And that is a fair question. It is I felt like your accountant. I do. I do. But they, you know, it's funny when they come and it's like uh, $2.30. You still get the crazy small ones. Every once in a while, yeah. You get foreign TV basic cable residual is weird how they all carve it up but occasionally what was really fun is uh you know as i was preparing for the show i was online i was in a starbucks and i had a profile up of your wife's uh you know just reading a little bit about her career and this guy next to me uh, in the shop he goes hey uh i met her Okay. Right. And uh, I go, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah. And I met her husband too. You know, he's from Gilmore Girls. And, you know, that's why I say, and that's why I said at the top of the show, Hollywood <laughs> couple. Oh, that's funny. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. This guy was like, oh, yeah. And of course, I had a name drop and say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm meeting him tonight on the show. You know, I had to impress the kid. <laughs> and did why? you get laid? <laughs> By the, by the 25-year-old? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. That's no. fine. Not my type. It's a fair question. <laughs> it is a fair question. Keep them coming. <laughs> 60 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that nine seasons? Seven. Six, seven seasons. Seven seasons. You parlay that over the course of that into three. Is it? Did you direct three episodes? Three episodes. I think it was three. Three or four. Yeah, three. Now, how does that work where... Th- is that part of your deal? Eventually, you, when you renegotiate, you say, I'd like to um, have no, a director. There, there was a thing. rule. There was a rule uh, from the very beginning that no actors would ever direct episodes. The um, executive no. producer was adamantly. There goes it. that rule. I know. Uh, but while while I was going to while I was I was going to film school this first couple seasons of um, of Gilmore Girls. Did you graduate from film school? Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Los Angeles Film School. You know, I went to Washington State University and I came down and I needed to go to a film school because I needed to get someone to give me a deadline to get my fucking project done. You know, I had an idea that I just needed to get done. I needed equipment. I needed facilities. I needed a crew and I needed a deadline. So I paid for that. Did you get the project done? I did. Cool. Where can people see it? Uh, They can see it at temporaryconcrete.com. It's called Brown Eyed Girl. It's about a 36 minute short. 
that I wrote and directed. Cool. And that was my thesis project. Did you act in it? No. And did it go to festivals and that kind of thing? It, uh, did it go to festivals? No, it was very difficult to program. You know, it was too long to be a short short, but it was too short to be in an academy short. So I, I don't, I, you know, it just never got into stuff. How do you do it? We're going to get back to, uh, we'll put it like, as I say, a little pin in it about how you uh, parlayed the acting job into directing. Um, but I'm curious as a creative person yourself and um, as I am as well, I find that sometimes my own projects, unless I'm accountable to someone or there is a deadline, it's very challenging to finish. Oh, it's, it's horrendously because it's horrendously. I mean, that's the biggest problem. That? I bet, I bet there's 90, I bet there's 95% of the creative people out there that, you know, have tried to start up, started that screenplay, started writing that screenplay, started writing that pitch, started writing that, that TV show, started shooting something, never got edited, started, right. you know, started well, you know what? You casting re- and never, you know. It just you, never finishes. Oh, you know, sorry to interrupt. You just okay. an idea came to mind, which is really exciting for me. Uh, not that I don't get ideas, but this particular idea. Right no, no. The idea being that um, you had said when at the very top of this interview that showing up is all of it or most mm-hmm. of it. And I just, it occurred to me as you were talking that showing up doesn't mean just showing up to the job. It right. means showing up for myself. Showing up for yourself and, and, yes, and my finishing. own projects. And finishing. Right, because it's very easy to, when it's someone else. Because when you don't finish, you're not showing up. Right, yeah. That's when uh, you stop showing up. I think that's a really, it, it, you know, it's a nuance. Maybe it seems so obvious right now, but I, I always thought of showing up as being getting to the set on time or, right. you know, talking to someone about a job and, you know, whether it was outside versus self-created. So And struggling with that never stops. You know, you don't, you don't all of a sudden, you know, Alex and I fight that demon all the time of having, you know, starting something and having to finish it. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline. Except an argument. Uh, <laughs> no, even then. <laughs> so let's get back to how you parlayed uh, all seven years on Gilmore Girls into three directing jobs. Right. So I was going to film school at the same time and I did my project, uh, my thesis project. And I invited the EP and the uh, and the executive producer and uh, another executive producer, um, and they came to the screening of it, and they watched it, and both of them said, "Wow, that's great! You should direct an episode. It'd be great if you directed an episode." What? But it took another year or two before I got the opportunity because they had to figure out a way of not of getting around that rule that no actors direct episodes because no other actor on that show got to direct an episode. Why did that rule exist? That's a good question. That's a fair question. It is a fair question. I'll give you an answer. And it's one that I think I will have to ask. Okay, good. I'd love to find out. And maybe uh, if I can remember, we'll share it here in a future day. Here's why I think that rule exists. Because my guess is you've got a lot of actors who probably aren't that talented as directors like to think of themselves as directors or would like to direct. So by saying no one directs, the producers never have to worry about right. someone within the cast directing and then someone else wanting to direct and someone else. If they just say no one directs, right. it's, it's clear. No then, one's and directing. It, and, it, and it doesn't become a negotiating point yes. you know, in a renewing of a contract. So. In that regard, because I don't think they ever had to renegotiate. Seven years is kind of the standard standard contract that you sign. So um, I don't think there was ever that opportunity uh, for someone to say that. But also, you know, you get an actor who says like, uh, oh, well, like I want to direct, but they're unproven. They haven't directed anything. And are you really going to trust, you know, I mean, our budgets on Gilmore Girls were $2.3 million an episode. Are you going to... Are you going to trust that in somebody who's completely unproven? Now, when you uh, made that transition to director, you were directing yourself too, correct? No, I was never in an episode that I directed. Okay. And I'm glad. What was the attitude among the other uh, cast members taking direction from you? Was it a sense of familiarity and they were rooting for you? Or was there also a sense of, who is this guy? He's an actor on the show. Why is he directing me? Everybody was very, very supportive at the beginning. 
You know? At the beginning. Well, <laughs> I happened? just mean at the beginning. Nothing, nothing happened, oh, okay. but I mean since the beginning is what okay. I should have said. Yeah. Everybody was very, very supportive. There were a couple moments when... You know, but but a director in one-hour television is not the end-all, be-all. It's not like I'm Peter Jackson who gets to decide everything. You know, I am basically a conduit for the executive producer and the creative of the sh- creator of the show. So when I had to enforce those rules, there was blowback. You know, but what I never rules? I never took it personally because. I knew I was just enforcing somebody else's rules. So okay. it wasn't, you know, when someone says like, well, fuck it, it's good enough. It's like, well, no, it's not. Even though, even if I felt like maybe it was good enough. You're talking about or, a take? Yeah. You know, because we, we had to be word perfect. Word perfect on that show. Mean, you can't be, you couldn't generalize a line. You specifically had to say every single word that was written in that line. Is that unusual? Um, yeah. I think so. To be to be that strict to it, you know, that you like, can't transpose a couple of words or kind of just make it come out of your mouth a little bit more comfortable. Absolutely not. It was. It's like song lyrics. You had to be exactly straight on. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I I always thought I always you know maybe it's different with television, but I think like a great film director puts together a great cast, especially with comedy mm-hmm. and. You know, give me the give me the the read as it's written, right? And now play, right? But it, you know, for comedy, um, well, if they're really talented and improvisational, uh, but that's exactly right. I mean, look at Judd Apatow movies. I mean, his movies are that's what makes them so wonderful. Is he puts together a great cast and they kind of they they do the lines exactly as they're supposed to be written, but then they also play. They do takes where they play, yeah, and. And sometimes that's where some of the gold comes from. What What did you uh, learn about directing from Gilmore Girls? Uh, that it's like standing in front of a freight train going 150 miles an hour and, and that you just have to grab on and hold on. And what's the freight train in this case? The job. I mean, it is so intense. I think that's one thing, one reason that I made that transition. And, and once I made the transition, I was no longer naive as to what it was once I learned what directing really was. One of the reasons that I really enjoyed it is because, uh, because you're busy all day. You're busy from the call time until rap. And as an actor... It was very hard because you would show up in the morning and you would wait around for your scene and sometimes you'd wait two or three hours and you have to be ready to go, you know? And so when you show up at seven o'clock in the morning or whatever, you're tired. You want to take a nap, but you have to be ready to go and sometimes you don't start until 10. And then you do your scene and then it takes an hour to turn around when they move all the cameras to the other side and, you know, and you have to do your scene again. And to keep your energy up while you're just sitting around is very difficult. I mean, it's a laborious task. And so I found it very frustrating to do that roller coaster of up and down and up and down. I mean, my eyes are getting droopy just thinking about it now. Yeah. Um, and But directing, you don't have time to stop. So it's you are busy and working from beginning to end. Now, I might be totally naive because I'm thinking that directing is basically uh, you're going to go over some blocking uh, you're going to go over the script with the actors, have mm-hmm. them rehearse in front of you, and then you're going to go shoot it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like the take, if they're not giving you what you're looking for, you have them redo it. It doesn't sound like that much like crazy like work. Like it's too hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is really obnoxious. I sound so obnoxious. No, no, I, no, no because no, I, I have an answer for you. No, but I, you know, okay, well, let me hear your answer. Um, as creative people, and you would understand this, as creative people... We are hired for our taste. It's, it's, that's not my line. That's somebody who kind of explained it to me. And I went, yeah, you know what? You're right. We're hired for our taste. Mm, I like that. And so a lot of directing becomes technical, you know, but being able to decide every nitty gritty detail and being able to tie it to a story of like, what shirt should he wear? Should he wear that purple shirt or should he wear that check shirt? And you have to tie that into the character you have to n- understand that character who's going to wear that shirt enough to know and pick that shirt for them, right? It's because you're given all these options and you have to weed out the options. So the That's basically what you're doing. Okay, so you're involved in wardrobe even. 
Everything. Props. Everything. Set. Everything. Location. Everything. You are the field general. There's still a president somewhere who's making the directive, and there's still a five-star general back in the Pentagon that's going, this is the war we're fighting. But you are the one who's on the field to make it happen. Now, I always thought, from what I've heard, seen, read, that a film director is more in charge of the film than a TV director. That would be true. But even a film director has people to answer to because there's, it goes all the way up the line to stockholders. Because we are in a business. That's right. Now, which do you prefer, uh, film over TV? Um, There's a lot more pressure in film. Um, Because of the money? But, yeah. The budget? Yeah, because you have $100 million that you have of somebody else's money that you cannot waste away and fuck up. Right. Now, now when you have a $100 million budget, you have people who are constantly looking over your shoulder and second guessing you you know there's probably less than 10 directors that are given carte blanche otherwise there's a studio and there's executives that are nipping at their heels all the time they're on set Mm -hmm. looking at everything you do of course so with gilmore girls uh i would suspect that because you'd been on on staff i mean you've been a a, it's not the right way of putting it but you've been a cast member a regular cast member you had insights into how the machine works. Yes. And it was very easy to make that transition into directing on a show that I had been so familiar with. I would imagine you were also kind of an actor's director. Mm-hmm. Because you understood the plight of the actor on set. That's a huge benefit yes. for my style. I w- oh, really? Mm-hmm. And how would you describe your style? Um, where it's... It's not about, it has to mean something. The performance has to mean something. It has to connect to the story. It's not about camera moves. It's not about fancy editing. It's not about, I'll do long takes. I do very long um, masters. I love that. And and I like the scene to breathe and it to play out and try to create this reality instead of completely manipulate it through editing. You know, editing is very powerful and it's a wonderful thing that you can use to augment the feeling of the scene, but the, the, the foundation has to be there. The scene has to be there. You know, things are moving so fast with technology. When you went to school, it wasn't that long ago. No. But we didn't have the access to cheaper equipment right. and we couldn't edit a film on our laptop. We didn't right. have laptops really. Right. I mean, you'd have to spend a fortune. You still to had laptop. to go into the Avid and... a $20,000 machine in order to cut anything. Let's imagine for a moment, if this were even possible, of course it's not, but with your experience today, Jackson is now 21. He's, it's the year 2013 as we are recording this. Mm -hmm. What would Jackson be doing as a 21 year old with what's out there right now? Anything different? Um, no. I mean, if, if people I don't think so because I'm still doing, I still do those things. I still get together with people and we do shorts and we do fun little projects. And, you know, if, you know, where you can see Brown Eyed Girl, temporaryconcrete.com is basically my website. That's, you know, where I refer uh, producers and whatever who want to hire me. That's kind of my resume reel. And you can see my reel there, but underneath, you know, on, I do short projects and we do, yeah, just for fun. Now you, uh, like you say, work begets work. Yes, and your own work. There was a there was a short that I did that reminded the executive producer that I worked on Gilmore Girls. I sent it to her, and she said, "Oh, I've got a new show. Why don't you come and direct that?" And that was Bunheads, and that's how I got Bunheads. Is off of a I was wondering a about short that. that I did. Now Bunheads was an ABC Family series, correct. a sitcom. Uh, it was recently it was canceled. One hour. It was also one hour. It was an hour. Yeah, hour oh, drama. I didn't know it's that. It's very okay. similar to Gilmore Girls in the. In that genre, the, oh, okay. that creator is, you know. Perfect. Yeah. Now, do you have an agent for your directing? Yes. And is that agent actively looking for projects for you and pitching you all the time? Yes. How does that feel? It's nice, but you can never give up and rely on somebody else. You know, I your agent makes 10 to 15% of your income, so they should be doing 10%, 10 to 15% of finding your work. That's a great way of looking at it. The other 85% should be you. Because, you know, a, a pastime, a favorite pastime of creative people is to complain about their agent manager. Right. You know, it's a hobby. Yes. 
<laughs> but I like your your. It's philosophy. where you can put your negative energy and not put it on the people who aren't hiring you. Or instead of just looking at the mirror in the mirror. Right, or saying, that. You know, hey, yeah. what have I been doing? Right. Have I been doing 85 to 90% right. of the work? Right, or have you been sitting there just saying, I'm so talented that I can't believe that this agent is not getting me more work. How do these people not know? Well, you're not showing them. <laughs> you're not showing them that you're talented. You're that, just sitting on your fucking couch going, I'm so brilliant. <laughs> and you have nothing to show anybody about how brilliant you are. Well, I think that a lot of people come to Los Angeles and once they've moved into the apartment, they think they're in the business. Right. They've, but, they've drank the punch. No. Just because they have a view of the Hollywood sign from their bathroom right. when they're showering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm in. I don't know where that came from. I mean, I, those... <laughs> Those stories are so romantic of, uh, you know, of, of uh, hopping off the bus with the suitcase on Hollywood Boulevard and spinning around <laughs> and going into a bar and sitting down next to the right guy. And all of a sudden, I'm a star. I don't think that really ever happened. No. I mean, it didn't happen to me. I think yeah. if you're really hot, maybe. I'm not to diminish myself because I'm sexy to some. I'm sure it has <laughs> happened, but that's an infinitesimal amount right. of people who you know that have gotten that versus people who have actually worked to get what they've gotten let's talk about how you and i met um mm -hmm. craigslist casual encounters mm -hmm. uh who knew you were married yes. and we were in the yes. same we had similar interests no strings attached and, yes <laughs> nsa yeah you said you had a vagina though so i was a very i was a bit upset well i did have a vagina okay well Th that's what when i had one <laughs> <laughs> but after our little exchange mm -hmm. I grew, a penis. Yeah. <laughs> I grew one. I right. didn't even have it attached. Uh, so we've met, uh, we met on Deal With It. Correct. Um, I just, uh, I'm thrilled to be working with you. Thrilled to be a part of the show. What an incredible staff. It's, it's huh? a, a total pleasure to be a part of the team. It really is just a fantastic team. Yeah. We have know? an incredible group of creative people. Um, um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to work in, the, in this group. Yes. Know? Now, for all of you listening... I always love when I say that because if you're listening, you're listening. <laughs> Who am I talking watching? to? What if you're watching? Oh, that's true. If you're watching, watching, someone's watching. Hello. Um, the show is called Deal With It. It's a hidden camera game show. It's on TBS. It's also on True TV. And there are some hilarious, hilarious clips online on YouTube. Right. And um, generally speaking, we have two directors on the show. And, you know, we had Damon on the show. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was here. Yes, he was in that chair. If you oh smell God. little Damon. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so intimidated. Yeah. So we've had, uh, basically, we've had the two directors of the show. Or, sorry. Consulting producers. Consulting producers. Uh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That it's just the two of you. It's, I mean, because a lot of shows, it's like people, it's a revolving door. Yeah. It's, it's fun to be able to do. It's, 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 it's a, it, to me, it's a perfect thing because then you're not, you're not, overworked and can't constantly because the bits would suffer if you had no time to prep and prepare and you had no prep time whatsoever i think everything would suffer if you're just powering through it would just all of a sudden become a machine and i think having two allows the prep and but then not too much time goes by and then you have a consistency to the show now is even it, though damon shoots much differently than i do and that's damon's wicker yeah. If you want to find and listen to his interview. Very talented man. I learned everything about Hidden Camera from him. Is this your first Hidden Camera show? It is. So that's pretty exciting, huh? Yeah. Uh, what do you and think? he's a brilliant man. I mean, he's yeah. he's so good at what he does. I wish I could be a tenth of, oh, well, you're very generous. of what he does. That's a very generous thing to say. And, that's true. Well, that's great. H how has he taught you or have you learned from him? By watching him on set? Yeah. And what are the things that make a Hidden Camera... Uh, shoot different i mean i i mean besides the obvious it's hidden cameras mm -hmm. but because what's so fascinating the thing i love about it as an actor and a writer in this genre is that uh as the actor i'm on set with real people right i love that yeah and they don't know it what's scares going on the shit out of me oh really i love oh, it my God. it's my favorite kind of it's thrilling ever. i'm not i'm not saying that i don't like it i'm yeah. just saying it's thrilling it's out of my comfort zone but most fun most fun things are a little bit out of your comfort zone that's why we go to a haunted house right Right. So it, it, it is totally out of my comfort zone. You know, with one hour camera, I'm used to everybody knowing exactly what's going on and being able to control every facet of the production. 
It's the complete opposite. And have the answer. And this is the absolute opposite. And that is really fucking scary. Right. And again, the reason uh, if you see the show, you'll see why it's the opposite is because if we're pranking someone, we don't know what the people are going to do. Absolutely. And that's the fun of the show. It's incredibly stressful. Yeah. You know, I get scared. I, I get do, scared you know for the people funny? on there. I'm waiting for someone to punch somebody. I'm waiting for, you know, I. I'm I don't so know relaxed why. when I'm acting in those bits. It's yeah. good. You know, it's like I think. Well, it just feels so in, okay. Like I don't get nervous, or I don't it, know. It's it a comes good across. I mean, that really comes across that you are at peace with yourself when you're out there. You know, watching. Oh, you that's good. Like, it well, really does come across that way. And I think one I would hazard the guess is because you are now in the driver's seat because you have control. You're on the floor. You can somewhat manipulate because you know what's going on. And yeah. you have the experience to be able to move it this way, know how to push it this way. And, you know, from I, yeah. where we are all backstage, we have no contact. We are just there to catch. Well, it's like lion taming, the way mm -hmm. I look at it. That's and I what feel I, pretty good, and I feel metaphor. very comfortable with the lion right. being the, the mark and pushing it just as far as far as you can go up to the line and even right. a little, maybe a toe over before they actually attack. Right. <laughs> and right. they rarely right. do. Right. But um, I'd love for you, uh, Jackson, to see some of my stuff. Uh, you can go to VicCohen.com. Great. I know it sounds like a lame plug, but no, I, I would love, I love sharing my stuff because I just love the whole hidden camera thing. I've got a ton of stuff in there and I've learned so much um, from Howie. Right. You know, Howie Mandel is just, uh, been a blessing. He's, He's another so much amazing person to watch. Yeah, he you know? is brilliant. He's a genius. Because it's, you know, the, from what I was talking about, Damon, it's just, it becomes an instinct. Now, your instinct is like a muscle that you have to exercise, but just watching how his instinct is, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll pitch something and I'll think, oh my God, that's never going to work. And you just watch <laughs> it work and you're like, God, fuck, I wish I had an ounce of that. He's a genius. Huh? And, uh, you know, like I said, it, getting to work with him all these years on, on particularly hidden camera stuff has been incredible. And having the opportunity to perform with him right. or for him or the show, it's just been great. It's so, been a fantastic opportunity. And I know I sound like one of those gushing assholes that I do, just you know, maybe I talk do too, about but, all their bullshit and like, oh my God, what I'm working on is so fantastic. But, you know, uh, I think being it's grateful, a lot of fun. Being grateful is important. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being grateful. Especially, you know, it's it's sincere. Yeah, I feel like you're no, it's making stuff up to sound good. I hope good. so. Yeah, because really, always. I hate I hate going to work every day. <laughs> yeah, I always <laughs> I love it. I you know, getting I just love working and I love being creative and especially it, on that particular show. And Mike Harney is brilliant as well. Yes. And I'm not I know he's sounds, a wonderful I'm using man. That word loose, I'm not using it loosely. They're all, I mean the the group of people we have um, is remarkable. Right. And and I feel like you know when you go to that show when you're working on it, it's like. I'm working with, it's a special thing. I mean, again, it's, it sounds... It's no different than sports. It's about the team. Yes. Because we do have giant teams. It's not about the four or five people that you see on camera. It's about the whole team. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I hope, I hope at least online, they we get to include on the Deal With It website or you know on TBS, a little of what that looks like behind the scenes. Right. I hope it, they shoot that or include that. But, but then never, we can't. It, it ruins the magic. It never, never translates either. You know, people yeah. don't understand. You have to, it's one of those things you just kind of have to experience. Yeah. Now, I wanted to briefly uh, touch on Ac Acme. Am I saying mm -hmm. it right? Yeah. So there's a theater, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, the comedy scene here in Los Angeles, there's the Groundlings, which is like known for Pee Wee Herman, a lot of right. Saturday Night Live characters. Mm -hmm. um, then there's uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is on Franklin here, kind of getting onto the hip east side. You're kind of the gateway to the east side. Right. Uh, a lot of improv there. You got uh, Second City from Chicago that has a theater here. You've got uh, Improv Olympic. Improv Olympic, That's right. also from Chicago. Those are pretty much the big ones with Acme. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems like Acme is like a, I don't want to say the little engine that could, but mm -hmm. it's. I could be totally wrong, but it seems a little under the radar, but boy, they're producing great talent. It's strong, but it's mighty. We've had Seriously, a lot of like, great, great people. Adam Carolla came out of Acme. Yeah, you know, I know. That's, that's where I met him. Is We were at a little theater called uh, the Two Roads Theater. It did the Tahunga Group. I was at the Dirt Road Theater. Oh, really? That's close. It's right around the corner. It's right through the alley. <laughs> Can't help myself. Okay. And, so you uh, met at the Two Roads Theater? We read, and that's... <coughs> pardon me. Um... 
Yeah, and that's where I met Adam. And and what's funny is the the place, the place on La Brea right now. Adam built that place. You know, it's his theater. I mean, he built it. I mean, physically built it. You know, Adam comes from construction. I mean, that's what oh, he wow. did while he was trying to break in, and and he built that theater. It's it's amazing to think of that. You know? How long did you guys roommate or room together? Live together. We didn't actually, we weren't actually roommates. Okay. We were just in the same theater troupe. It's just, I think that information just kind of got misconstrued somewhere along the line. Because we know we would hang out all the time. You know you know how theater groups are. You've become a very close-knit family. It's almost like a fraternity. And yeah. so we would hang out all the time. And, and he tells lots of nefarious stories about me. But he uh, seems like he'd be a hard person to actually live with, not because he's not a, a, a great guy, but he's just, he's a little bit loud, isn't he? In person? At least he comes across that way when I've heard him on radio and other places. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, his on, on mic or on camera persona is, is hyperbolized a bit, but, but no, that's Adam. Yeah. You know, it's great. What's great about Adam is that he can do Adam because that's what he does so well. Did you know he was going to, did you have a sense he had like an it factor? Um, I mean, I guess at that time we all thought we all had the it factor. Well, you've all kind of do. I mean, so look at the group of people. I know there is, a, there is an amazing group of people and, and everybody I think is still working. We, uh, we had on a uh, deal with it, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Kaler. Kaler. Yeah. And, he was in the troupe. Yeah. And Jeff Lewis, one of our, you know, one of our... Very funny guy. On the floor actors. Brilliant guy. So funny. I loved performing with him. Now, the stuff that you were doing over at Acme, um, was this like a lot of it scripted sketch, kind of like they do at the Groundlings? I only, I only did scripted sketch. I hated improv because another, uh, you know, it's just kind of my personality. I don't like the loss of control and just being out there and not knowing what's going to happen. It's totally out of my comfort zone. Do you think that, uh, you know, you're obviously, uh, I'd say a comedy specialist. Do you look at yourself that way? Mm, I, I will admit that I know comedy. How did Acme, how did being a part of uh, an improv uh, theater or say scripted sketch, how did that prepare you as a director? In indirect ways, I would have to say. I've never really thought to of that the, question. Use the word direct? When you said indirect, uh, <laughs> are you trying to be clever? No. Oh, <laughs> I did, I, did I actually said, use no, no, it? Oh, you said indirectly. indirect, but yeah. no, I was just... Um, I think, I don't know. I think it was just, it's, it was, you know, what it was, it was exercise. You're practicing. It's a great safe place that you can try shit and learn that, oh my God, there's two extra pages in this scene that don't, you know, I need to learn how to economize. I need to how, learn how to focus in on the bit. I don't need so much exposition. I don't need, you know, just knowing comedy will help you as a director. What's the future for you? God, I wish I knew. Do you have a good... Shake up that magic eight ball over there and tell me what well, the future I feel is. Really Doesn't good. look good. No, I think it looks great. I think that um, you guys, you and your wife have a really good, it seems to me, a good energy. <coughs> and well, Knock on wood, I hope so. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of creativity in your home and uh, in your relationship. You know? uh, we're hoping that our kids will grow up to be uh, famous people so they can take care of us and we don't have to work anymore. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> I think I think you guys, you are both Actually, doing I think we very want the well. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> why is it that uh, we're almost out of time here? But why is it that uh, so many people who actors turn to director become directors? Do you think is it just to get tired of it? Uh, no, because I think it's a natural. I think it's a natural extension, and I think, I think, um, I think as actors mature, uh, I don't. I don't want to say they get tired of just working in a in a. In, in a couple facets of the production that they kind of want to control the story more or they want to be more involved. I think they like it so much that they just kind of want to attach more of themselves to it. So I think it's just an extension of acting. Well, we were talking on the show and you told me you gave up acting. Yes. And it's like, you know, let me remind you, you did seven years on Gilmore Girls. Right. People think of you as a famous guy, you know, people who saw that show. Right, but if you watch Gilmore Girls and you know... I don't know if you're familiar with it or if you watched it at all, but a if, you, bit, if, not, you, if yeah. you watch Jackson Belleville, I mean, for Christ's sake, the guy's name is my name. 
There's yeah. a reason because it's, 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 you know, it's, I'm doing Adam Carolla. I'm, I, I'm just doing me on the program. I just don't think there's a big market for me as right. a character because then all of a sudden if I'm going on CSI, it's like, holy shit, ja- Jackson Bellevue's on CSI. Well, here's, here's <laughs> my, well, belong there. <laughs> listen, I think that, I think some of the biggest actors in Hollywood are excellent at playing one person themselves. Um, I don't want to get into like who you've got right. your Philip Seymour Hoffman right, right, right. or chameleons. There's a small percentage that c- can really truly become the great character actors right, that but, are chameleons. And especially when it comes to comedians or comedic mm-hmm. characters, many of them are the same person. I would agree. So I think I would agree. You know, yeah. I did, I did a, I did the guilt trip as a friend to the director. Um, you know, Ann Fletcher, she called me up and said, well, will you do this part in my movie? And I said, yeah. Um, so I haven't given it up completely, but, you know, it the, just the, it takes so much energy to get the work that I can't do both. It's I crazy. can't spend the time auditioning while I'm trying to look for directing work. I have to focus. Do you have a feature in you? In me, in my future? You have a feature in you you're dying to uh, write or you've written it and you want to go out and direct uh, it? Yeah, I think we all do, don't we? I mean, as creative people, we all have this one idea that we hold on to. But, you know, as you age, it changes. You know, what you want to focus on creativity, I think, changes as you as you mature. Any? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Let's just, we're in our, again, I know we're almost out of time. but We're I, in the speed round. Yeah, when we talk about, um, I'm just curious about, you have your spirituality or, you know, this is a tough business. You've mm-hmm. got your wife to lean on um, in the sense of you've got a healthy relationship, right. I, I would think it sounds like. But what about beyond that? Uh, do you pray? Do you journal? Do you, you know, I mean, it's, I'm just curious what you use to mm. help with emotion and to go to therapy. You know, um, yeah, all of the above. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that true? Um, well, sure. I do. I, I mean, so. uh you know, I, I think the mind is one of those things that, you know, I always, uh, I, I'm thirsty for knowledge always. So figuring out the mind is, is um, and I think most actors and comedians especially come from, I think it comes from pain. Mm. The best ones come from some kind, some, somewhere, somehow, something got fucked up and this is how we deal with it. Um and it's not the healthiest way to deal with it, but it works. When it, you say the healthiest, do you mean by working in the business? And, and I think being, mentally, just like, I mean, just being a, a comedian or whatever. You right. know, I think there's some trauma or something somewhere. It doesn't have to be, I'm not talking about some kind of car accident or something like that, but there's something in history that taught us that this is the way, it could be a family dynamic, it could be something like that, that taught us Survival. that this is the way we survive. And it's an odd way. I mean, what a fucked up business to get into (laughs) if you're a well-adjusted human being. Let's see. I want to go out and I want to be constantly judged and constantly (laughs) rejected on a daily basis for my entire life, chasing after this golden ring of one day, maybe, possibly, there's a slim chance in hell that people will love me because that's all I want is everyone to love me. Yeah. And and, and the, the amazing thing about it is Who's the biggest critic of them all? Who's the one? Yourself. Guy? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a real hard I thing. Know. But that's what you're trying to get away from because you, you feel like, okay, if 700,000 adoring fans are screaming at me that they love me, maybe I'll love me too. It's never enough. Though. It doesn't, no. Never. I don't know. I mean, you have to learn. I mean, as we mature, we learn to love ourselves and we start giving up that dream of just I want to be a famous person. And then we start focusing on our creativity and going, oh, I enjoy doing this work. I, th- I agree. And I think it's also as I grow and, and mature, it's about um, the self-acceptance of my, my mm-hmm. strengths, the things that I, the way I think sometimes that aren't healthy, that get right. in my way, learning me, you know, and, and that takes time. Yeah. And it's- even as I go through middle age, you know, and I'm now looking at, less years in front of me that are behind me, I'm still learning and figuring that out. I'm it's scary still how going, much there is to learn, isn't yeah, it? There's never enough time. I, you know, there's, that's the only thing that scares me about dying is that it's going to be one day that I'm going to go, but wait, I haven't learned it all. 
Or I figured it all out. <laughs> ah, no, I would be happy dying if I actually figured it all out. Oh, really? I would never be happy dying. I'm scared of death. Yeah. All right. Well, thank As you again. Uh, if people need to see, we, we've got your website, Concrete. Um, temporary Concrete. Temporary Concrete. Anywhere else uh, people can see your work? Or is there a way to contact On you TV. there if they wanted to say hi? <laughs> um, no, I tend to be, you know. A recluse. Well, partially because of Alex. Okay. You know, it forces me to be a little bit more private because okay. there's some I understand. weird shit out there. I'm sure there is. Uh, and I will stop showing up at your door. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Listen, again. I showed up at your door today. Yeah, so. that's true. Thank you so much for showing up. It's Thanks just for been having a me. great time. And uh, when I see you on Saturday, I'm going to feel so much closer to having learned so much more about mm. you. We never have the time to really visit. Right. If we're doing our jobs correctly. That's what we're doing. We're visiting in front of everyone. Yeah, we are. And I want to thank you so much. It's been it's just, a pleasure. It's been a great yeah. experience great time spending with you here and i want to thank all of you guys uh for listening and we'll see you again right here on vic cohen's it's a fair question i'm vic cohen and it's a fair question it's a fair question it's a fair question i'm vic cohen and it's a fair question it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair question i'm vic cohen and it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair quest quest question